0: This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch Podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sportpens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show on tap today. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents with us is Jenny Rierick, communication specialist, owner of fit to speak. Jenny, welcome back to the program. Thanks Marcus. Happy to be here with you again. Now today we're going to be tackling a subject, um, basically the words that we use, uh, whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, um, As an administrator, I hear a lot of things from the sidelines from both the parents and the coaches. Um, Some of it baffles me of why you would say it at that time. Why would you use those words? Why would you use that tone? Um, And I wanted to kind of bring Jenny into it to kind of just give a little bit of perspective about the words that we use and how they have an effect on others around us. Uh, So why don't we go ahead and dive right in? We'll start with the coaches, talk to us a little bit about the words that we use and how they affect another person, specifically a player? Yes.
1: Well, if you walk into any sport, the coach is coaching and coaches have the challenge of knowing what level of coaching is appropriate and no coach wants to undercoach. And unfortunately, what happens is they tend to overcoach. If you go and watch, let's say, a youth or a high school level coach coaching, what you'll probably see is them actively coaching, meaning they are sweating just as much as the players are sweating down the sideline, yelling things during plays to the players. And I think the intention behind coaches doing that is good in that they're trying to contribute to the success of their team. But Unfortunately, most of what they end up contributing either goes unnoticed or it negatively impacts the mindset of the players on the field, which takes them out of being present in the game that they're currently playing in.
0: It's funny you say that because I used to have a coach, soccer coach in high school. And if I made a bad decision and I messed something up on the field, I immediately know when I screwed up and I know I made a mistake and I know to what degree I made that mistake, whether it was, you know, I got away with it or it led to a goal being conceded, but my coach would scream at the top of his lungs and remind everyone, um, that I made that mistake. Talk to us a little bit more about that concept of what you're doing by doing that.
1: Yes, it's, it's, an unfortunate reaction because not only, like you mentioned, are you making a scene of this player in front of their teammates, in front of their parents, which is embarrassing. That's embarrassing for a child. That would be embarrassing for an adult, which is why in corporate training, they tell you not to give criticism publicly. There's a reason for that. And I don't think it's any different during co- during coaching. What happens too is You as the coach, if your commentary during a game tends to focus on the negative, you're drawing your athlete's mindset and reinforcing or having them direct their attention to focusing on what they're not doing well, which is in conflict with what you probably want them to do, which is focus on the stronger aspects of their game. I listened recently to a speech that Nick Saban was giving. That was from a while ago. I least I, I listened recently. And in it he talked about this concept that he has with coaching, where he encourages his players to be where your feet are. And essentially what that means is as soon as a play is over, whether it was a great play or a poor play, his expectation is that you do your best to completely forget what just happened and you put your feet where you currently are, which is in the next play. As a coach, if you interrupt that process of your athlete trying to reestablish themselves with what's going on presently because you're coaching them on a mistake they just made, you're taking them away from being able to make a great next play because you're harping on them about something they can no longer correct.
0: It's funny you say that because I've always told my kids who were, you know, collegiate athletes, um, take it, put it in a little compartment, put it away for a little bit, and then come back to it later after the match or after the swim meet or whatever it was, and then deal with it then and then figure it out because – you know, it's almost like a Snickers commercial where, you know, if you're, you know, you're hungry and, you know, you're not thinking clearly, you know, you're not going to be able to process something like that when you're out there in the moment. So what can coaches do the words that they use to better help themselves and also better help their team?
1: The number one thing is to understand timing appropriate timing for coaching if we're talking specifically about soccer soccer is what's a referred to as a player's sport because the game itself does not lend for in the moment coaching it's a game that's continuous and fairly uninterrupted unlike something like football or basketball or baseball in which coaches can do more of spot coaching So I think coaches first need to understand when is their coaching going to have the greatest impact. And that impact is going to happen, first of all, during the week when you're practicing. Practicing is when coaching should happen, as that's when you're developing your player's ability to make decisions for themselves and understand how to make decisions in pressure situations. And then when you have halftime or post-game, immediately after the game, those would all be Better have a better context for a coach being able to communicate specific cues or what they want to reinforce or have players improve in the next round because you have your players full attention they're not also trying to play the sport as you're coaching them and like I said coaching on the sidelines of soccer you're likely not even being heard and what your players are probably hearing is not necessarily your words, they just hear the tone of you yelling at them and that's almost always perceived negatively. And then the coach themselves become a trigger for the player and that's
0: not the association that you'd wanna create between a player and a coach. So are you saying that if we were more positive in our words that it would be obviously received better? I mean, mean, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, tone. Tone is always. Yeah. yeah ta- talk yeah, Talk to us about tone.
1: Yeah. Tone is important. And it's not, I'm not saying you can't coach, but I do think if you're going to offer coaching for it to be received, the best is to offer specific coaching in a non-emotional way. When we take an intense tone as we de- we deliver our coaching maybe because we're excited about what's going on whether that be excitement in a positive or a negative light the first thing the athletes hear is the tone and if our tone comes across as aggressive it's not the words that they're going to walk away with it's going to be the connotation that the tone had with it with the coaches i work with what we work on is how can you share your coaching and still be specific and give your athlete something to grab onto to improve their next play in a non-emotional way. So that emotion does not become an inhibitor to the athlete receiving the coaching.
0: Cause there's a lot of noise out there in the world. Um, just a lot of, and it's funny when you were saying that the, it's probably ignored by the player for the most part, other than the tone of it. I think back to the Peanuts cartoon, you know, the teacher wah, 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 and that's all you're hearing, but I, I you would have to think that's something for the players out on the field because not only are they getting it from the coach, they're getting it from their mom and dad on the sideline, they're getting it from their teammates, they're getting all these other communication um, um, things, and it's just and it's just so much to process at such a young age because mm. we're dealing with. Younger kids, and the they're a bit, and they don't have that experience yet to be able to process all that stuff as fast I mean, obviously, their age has something to do with the words that we use, right?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And yet, I don't think that that's something a consideration many youth sports co- coaches make, unfortunately. And when you think about the ultimate role of a youth sports coach, it's to instill in general understanding of the game dynamics and also, create a positive association for the athlete with the game, because ultimately our goal as coaches is to create a positive experience so that these athletes play on to their greatest potential and continue to play a sport because we as coaches appreciate the value of sports in kids' lives and as they grow into adults and it makes them, I think, better at functioning in society. And if you look at the long-term lens of what, your co- what t- kind of experience your coaching is creating, you might start to rethink the value in making one-off intense snide comments to your athletes because that you're essentially, those are little pennies that are going in a jar that's creating negative experience that that athlete is gonna look back on and say, I don't like this sport. It, it's, it doesn't make me feel good about myself. I'm not good at it. We want to create more positive experiences than we do negative experiences.
0: It's um, it's unfortunate at times to hear some things that I hear. Um, you know, I heard this past weekend. You have to want it. You have to be aggressive. Um, and I know that is. And and I'm not trying to to, you know, blame parents or blame coaches because I think that they're wonderful. Um, and I know that they don't mean anything by it. And it's just that, that dynamic that you get into a competitive atmosphere, which, you know, I mean, I like the competitive atmosphere, but I don't like the negatives that come with the competitive atmosphere. Um, but w- what advice would you have for parents about words that they use when it comes to their children and communicating better th- with them when it comes to sports?
1: Mm-hmm. The before I answer your question, you mentioned something that reminds me of a concept that I think would be helpful in understanding. There is a professor at the Stanford Business School named Jeff Pfeffer. And he talks about this idea called the romance of leadership. And leadership in this example, we can interchange with coaching. Essentially, what it says is that there's this myth that people who get into a leadership position feel that the way that they add value is to be hands on or is to be doing something dramatic and noticeable and so like leaders coaches do the same thing where they begin to associate their coaching value based on how much activity of coaching they're doing during the wow. game and i think the same thing is probably true for parents is we imagine that we are adding value when we are actively contributing. And the way we do that typically in coaching is with our voice. Now, unfortunately, this is heightened by for a coach, especially in a game, because they feel like they have to prove themselves sometimes to parents to show that they're coaching. But then also you think about the media romanticizes coaches who are over the top. It's boring for a camera to spend time looking at a coach who's quiet sitting on a bench but so we we romanticize these active over coaching coaches and yet those are the ones that are least effective when it comes to their relationships with their players and i think the same is true for parents as a parent you're i'm assuming you've enrolled your child in a sport so that they can enjoy that sport and play for a long time and again the more you create a negative connotation with this athlete's play or their association with the sport, you're increasing the likelihood that they're going to experience burnout or simply quit because they no longer enjoy it, which defeats the purpose in the first place. So I would just say, find a a fellow parent to make comments to and do your best to be aware of how active you are in participating in the coaching experience of your kid and probably leave it up to the coach to do it unless your child is soliciting your advice or coaching,
0: which in that case would be appropriate. It's funny. um, My daughter still plays. She plays D2 college soccer and I honestly have to sit away from everybody else when I go Mm -hmm. watch her matches Um, Not because, I mean, I don't want to seem, I mean, I know they probably perceive me as being (laughs) antisocial to an extent, but I'm very social before the match and I'm very social after the match. But during it, you know, you just hear some things and you're like, oh my word, I just have to kind of separate myself from Mm -hmm. that. Um, We're talking to Jenny Rerick, communication specialist, owner of Fit to Speak, about the words that we use as coaches and even parents if you could just give one piece of advice to our coaches about the words that they use uh, with their players, what would that one piece of advice be? If you're going to offer words to your
1: athletes, your words should be specific and non-emotional, specific and non-emotional. And you mentioned a cliche phrase, a couple of them, which We got to work hard and those types of cliche phrases. You have to imagine that those don't offer any anything for athletes to grab onto and have a meaningful change in their performance. If you're going to offer coaching, it would be better to make have specific coaching regarding a a technical aspect of their game or a decision they made and keep it non-emotional as opposed to these blanket non-specific statements. And then even better than that, uh, do more of your coaching during practice and during halftime and after the game and be quiet <laughs> during the game and let your athletes develop the ability to make decisions on the field.
0: I agree. I, you know, that was a, a big consideration in the travel club that I picked for my daughter to participate in because the coach did not provide um, he just sat there and let them go and he would provide various points when they came off the field or at halftime. And that's the reason why we went with them. Um, but, but it's funny you, you, you say that and it makes all the sense in the world. But then when you mention, you know, coaches got to prove their worth that they're coaching. How come you're not coaching those kids out there and telling them to do this and tell them to do that? It's a real real uh, sticky situation to be in sometime.
1: Yeah. And I do think if you're a coach and you're interested, you're genuinely interested in improving one thing you can do is ask somebody to record you coaching during a game or ask somebody to sit on the bench and take notes of the all of the phrases or coaching that you offer during the game so that you can review And ask yourself, am I coaching in the way that I'm perceiving myself to be coaching? Because in most cases, what you think you're doing is not actually what you're doing. And any coach who's truly invested in developing themselves would be willing to open themselves up to objective observation.
0: Wow. That is a (laughs) wonderful idea. I would highly recommend that for every coach out there. Just to get you know, I I, I preach self awareness, and how you are, and and oh my word, I think that would open up so many eyes to just kind of see where they are, and and even you know I I because I used to be like that, I used to be that type of coach, and um I you know and I my eyes got opened one day thankfully while I was you know young in my daughters and sons soccer career when they played. Um yeah. Oh man, that would be amazing. Jenny, um, where can people find you? She's a wonderful follow. Uh please make sure you do so, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, and uh, tell them about your website too as well.
1: Yes, I my website would be the best place. It has all of my information there, and it's wwwfit 2 speakcom And you can find my Twitter handle on there, which I post regularly as well as Instagram. And just like we talked about, I mostly work with strengthening and conditioning coaches and physical therapists and athletic trainers. And one thing that I do is some, some of them pay me to come in and observe them coaching. And this is not a plug for me to you to hire me and for me to come. But I would say find somebody to enlist, to come and observe you and just take some notes about how you're coaching, because really that's the only way you're going to get better.
0: Or just hire Jenny.
1: <laughs> yeah, or you can hire me.
0: Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> awesome, Jenny rerick communication specialist, owner of Fit to Speak. Thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast and providing some wonderful information for our coaches. We appreciate it.
1: You are welcome. You're doing the good work here, Marcus. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network. Or find us on our social media platforms at WVSoccer. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.